It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it, because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by New York Lottery. Thanks so much for tuning in. Multiple ways for you to interact with us here on the program over these next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter using hashtag GiantsChat or directly with us. I'm at Lance Meadow. One word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Schmelk. Good to have you aboard. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network Brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. Lance Meadow, John Schmelk with you as we set the stage for Monday Night Football to wrap up Week 8 in the NFL. The Giants will host the Buccaneers at MetLife Stadium. This is the second time that they're going to be hosting a Monday Night Football game against a Bucks team that it goes without seeing is extremely dangerous and arguably one of the best teams in the NFC. We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to your tweets along the way. And... John, it was quite an entertaining weekend, I would say, in the NFL, especially from the perspective of the NFC East, because the Eagles now seem to be maybe a team that is slightly pulling away by knocking off a Cowboys team that's been decimated by injuries. It's going to be interesting to see if Philadelphia can gain some momentum here as this race, I think, maybe starts to divide itself from amongst the rest of the pack. Yeah, and they're slowly getting healthy, Lance, and I think that's yeah. an important part of it, though Carson Wentz has to clean his act up. He almost single-handedly oh, yeah. gave that game away from Philadelphia last night. Uh, he had a lot of bad turnovers, a lot of bad mistakes, and I think Chris Collinsworth said it, just trying to do too much. Just trying to do too much, and he almost turnovered his way into a loss last night against a Ben DiNucci-led Dallas Cowboys who looked like the last game he started was for James Madison and at the FCS level of football. <laughs> uh, did not play well. Mike McCarthy tried every trick in the book. <laughs> not effective. And uh, even though the Cowboy defense played a little bit better than it had been. Yeah, look, and honestly, I think if you're Washington, you feel like you have a pretty good chance here too. Uh, they have a good defense, or at least a good enough defense, they don't have the weapons on offense, but I, I think with the quarterback, if he can just not make big mistakes, it might be enough to stay in some of these games. They already beat Philadelphia once, so if they can beat them in their next head-to-head, -head, which I believe is the last game of the season for both teams, that could decide the division because that would give Washington the tiebreaker as well. So to me, those two teams are the ones right now that I take most seriously in terms of being in the mix for the division title. Now there's a lot of time to go. The Giants and the Cowboys, for that matter, are not out of it mathematically. But I think right now, Philly, just from a talent perspective and a health perspective, you have to give them the nod. But I think if I'm a Washington fan, if I'm the Washington organization, I feel pretty good about my chances right now, too. Yeah, I think it's a matter of Washington winning some of those close games that earlier in the season they just had trouble doing. But Philadelphia, to me, is the most dangerous because, as you hit on, I think that they're getting their key weapons back at the right time. You saw Jason Peters come back last night, Dallas Goddard's back. They're eventually going to get Zach Ertz back and Miles Sanders. And even though Carson Wentz has had the issue with his decision-making, they still found a way to win a game where they turned the ball over four times. Now, that's not going to happen against a number of other quality teams, which are completely different than the Cowboys, but they are are finding ways to win those close games and that's a big part of winning a division in the NFL considering it is defined by parity or competitive balance whatever term you want to utilize now 
as far as the Giants are concerned, they're going to have to try to solve a Tampa Bay riddle, which is quite the riddle because this is a team that has won games, but I would argue that they've been winning games by lopsided margins, okay? They're not just beating their opponents, they're cruising past them. And it was an impressive victory over the Green Bay Packers two weeks ago. They won that game by 28 points. They had a pick six off of Aaron Rodgers. Then they go up against Derek Carr and the Raiders. Carr also has been having a solid season completion percentage-wise, and the Bucs still were able to pull away in that game. It took them until the second half, but 38-10, to 45-20, and this is, to me, a game, John, that is on the offense. I think a lot of people want to make this about the defense and whether or not they could get to Brady, put their hands up, get deflections. To me, this is a game more about can Daniel Jones and the offense manufacture enough to keep pace with a Bucks offense that really appears to be hitting its stride. Yeah, Lance, I'm with you. And look, it's funny you go into a game and you're facing Tom Brady and Ronald Jones and Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans, and you're worried about, their defense and not their offense. But I agree with you 100%. I think the Giants' defense has done a pretty good job this year of reducing and limiting the number of big plays and opponents have been able to get against them. And that's been the Bucks' bread and butter this year is big plays. So as long as you don't have a big change in that respect and the Giants are able to, you know, I talked to Nate Ebner. It's going to be on our radio pregame show later on tonight, which is on at 645 on WFAN. If you're on the network, it's 715. And it's also on the Giants Huddle podcast I did with him. I asked him flat out, Nate, what's the, what's the key to slowing down this Bucks offense? And he said, look, we got to keep everything in front of us and make them – take as many snaps as they can to move the ball down the field. So I think you're going to see a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three, maybe some quarters even. Uh, and if Ronald Jones wants to run it for five yards of carry, all right, fine, go run it for five yards of carry, but we're not going to let you get big plays. So I think the Giants defense has a decent plan. It's worked most of the year. But I'm with you. I have trouble figuring out how the Giants are going to score a lot of points in this game. The Bucks defense is simply phenomenal. They have the best rush defense in the league at just three yards per carry, 60-something yards per game. They get after the quarterback. They blitz a lot. They do a lot of the things that have given this Giants offensive line some issues over the course of this season in terms of protection. And their defensive backfield has been very opportunistic. A word you like to use, Lance. They have good young yeah. corners. They like to go after the football. They blitz their safeties. Antoine Winfield Jr. is a really good young safety. We talked about him a lot leading up to the draft. Jordan Whitehead's good around the box. And they just know how to make plays in the football. They have, I think, nine interceptions, if I believe, they off do. the top of my Correct. head this year. And they're just good at it. And these are things the Giants offense has struggled with. So I'm with you. I think scoring points will be at a premium. You hope the high wins that will probably be at MetLife Stadium slows down the Bucks' offense a little bit. But I've been thinking about it all weekend, how the Giants go about this. And I think the only way is to try to generate some big plays on early downs. If there's one thing the Bucks are susceptible to, and again, this isn't like a weakness. They're like 13th in the league now. So it's not like they're 27th or 28th or 13th. But that's the best I could find. Because they're so aggressive, because they blitz so much, they do have the tendency, Lance, to give up some big plays over the top. So maybe on first down... You go max protection, play action, send Slayton deep and send Shepard across the middle and one of them can break a big play. Maybe you run a flea flicker and they blitz on the play and you get a guy behind the defense. I don't think you can wait till third and eight to try to do that. It's not going to work. I think you have to try that on a play action first and ten. If you get a good you know, punt return or kick return and you're at midfield, you want to roll the dice on a first down, do it then. 
And maybe you get a special teams touchdown in the game. Maybe you get a defensive touchdown in the game. I think those are the type of things you're going to have to do. I just don't see the Giants producing and sustaining just based on how well the Bucks have played this year. A bunch of, you know, 10-play, 75-yard drives that end in a touchdown. Those are going to be really hard to consistently generate because of all the negative plays the Bucks defense produces. So I think you're going to have to find some big plays here or there. Well, to your point, Todd Bowles' defense blitzes a lot more than the previous Giants opponents. So that's going to be something different that the Giants haven't necessarily seen over the last few games. And you know, this is a defense that has 25 sacks. That's number two entering this weekend right behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers added four more to that total. But Tampa Bay has been just as consistent. And speaking of that chess match... Remember, Will Hernandez is out because he's on the COVID-19 reserve list. So while Joe Judge wouldn't confirm who's going to start at left guard, in all likelihood, we're expecting it to be Shane Lemieux. And that means that, John, there's going to be two rookies on the left side of the Giants offensive line. And we know what Tampa Bay has to offer with JPP as well as Shaq Barrett. But, you know, let's not also lose sleep on the fact that Devin White, they blitz a lot. He had three sacks in the last game. Levante David. I mean, those two guys, I would argue, John, are just as dangerous as what you have to worry about with JPP and Barrett coming off of the edges. And don't forget Dom the Kinsue, by the way. (laughs) And what about Steve McClendon, who they just acquired from the Jets? He's also a good player. I'm with you. McClendon's more of a run stopper. But, yeah, he's a really good veteran, knows what he's doing. Yeah, Lance, look, like like I said, they blitz everyone. Both safeties have two sacks, Whitehead and Winfield. They have two sacks a pop. And I think Devin White is four and a half or five off the top of my head this year. And he has three last week. You know, Devin White's that big, strong, downhill, get-after-the-quarterback type of guy. You know how fast he is. We talked about him a lot heading into the draft a couple of years ago, whether or not the Giants should pick him. So, yeah. And look, JPP, you guys all saw the quotes in the papers, I'm sure. He's a little <laughs> enthusiastic about— a little? I don't know if that's putting it in justice terms, John. I he, watched his presser. He's more than enthusiastic. He wants to come out and have a good game against the Giants. And he is going against a rookie in Andrew Thomas, who we've talked about ad nauseum on the show, has struggled this year. Um, that will be his matchup for most of the game. Last year, Shaq Barrett played over the Giants' left tackle, Nate Solder. This year, it's going to be JPP. Barrett's been playing over the right tackle most of the time. Not every snap, but about three-quarters of them. So he'll be over Cameron Fleming. JPP will be over um, Andrew Thomas. And they don't just straight rush. And Lance, you made this point. Washington and Philly, a lot of four-man rushes. They don't. They didn't blitz a lot. The Bucks blitz a lot. And they run a lot of stunts. They move guys around. So... This is going to be a whole new challenge, and those two rookies with those stunts, it's communication. And Lemieux and Thomas are going to have to be on the same page. They throw Nick Gates in at center, too, to communicate on those stunts and those twists to figure out who's coming from where and how you handle them. It's not going to be easy, but they're going to have to do it. Otherwise, Daniel Jones is going to have a very, very long night. Yeah, because they used those stunts to then open up lanes for the linebackers. There were a few plays Mm -hmm. last week against the Raiders where they ran that, and then all of a sudden Devin White had a clear path to Derek Carr. So that's why you have to be careful because you have to anticipate the linebacker maybe hesitating at first and then all of a sudden getting the green light to go after the quarterback. Now, you brought up takeaways and those opportunistic plays. The crazy thing is, because of Tom Brady's arrival, this to me is one of the biggest differences with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Jameis Winston through the first seven games last season, okay? This, this is to me, this is how I would explain yeah. to everybody how things have drastically changed. Winston had 12 interceptions, three lost fumbles. That's 15. 
Brady's got four interceptions, one lost fumble. Do the math. 15 versus five. Why do you think the Bucs turnover differential at this point last season was minus five, now it's plus five? It's because Brady gets rid of the ball and he makes much better decisions than the guy they had under center last season. Now, granted, Winston and the Bucks' offense, if you go back to that week three matchup, John, they had no problem scoring. Oh, yeah. They, though, had an issue with some of the turnovers in the second half and then, of course, the missed chip shot field goal at the end of the game. But the bottom line is the Bucks don't give you those extra at-bats that you hopefully anticipate. And if you look at their two losses this season— I'm not putting a lot of stock, John, in the week one loss to the Saints. It was the first game for Brady. You know they're getting their feet wet. Oh, Brady the Saints threw a pick are good. Six. The Saints are good. Correct. The Saints are good, too. But also, it was sort of the first game without a preseason game. Then their other game that they lost was on a quick turnaround, Thursday night football against the Bears. Bears have one of the best defenses. The Giants saw it firsthand. And probably that was the worst game, I would argue, that Tampa Bay's offensive line played. Tristan Wirfs probably had his worst game, the line overall. Since then, they've been very effective in cleaning some of that stuff up. So the point is, you can't go into a game against Tampa Bay thinking, and I understand you need it, but you can't go in banking on they're going to have a two-turnover game, they're going to change field position for you, and then you're going to be able to capitalize. And here's the other thing. The Giants have to eventually prove, John, like we saw against Philadelphia, which was a rare occurrence, where you could put together a 12-15 to 15 play drive and score a touchdown. That's happened very rarely throughout the course of this season. The sign of a good team, the sign of a team that you could bank on their offense coming to play every week is a team that could put together a lengthy drive and punch it off with a touchdown. The Giants have yet to prove that consistently. That's my other concern going into a game like this. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the Bucks have one of the better red zone defenses and offenses, by the way, in the league. They're very good at both. And to your point about Brady, you know, having a guy like that protects your offensive line. He has the fourth, at least heading into this week, I haven't rechecked the stats today, but heading into the week, he either had the fourth or fifth quickest average time to throws in the NFL, which if you watch him in New England for the past 8 billion years, shouldn't (laughs) surprise anybody. That's what he does. He gets the ball out quick, which is amazing because he... The Bucs throw it down the field so much. You figure, all right, he's throwing it down the field. He's got to hold it a little bit longer. <laughs> no, he's still getting the ball out quick. So the Giants pass rush, you know, good luck getting home. There's a reason Brady has the one of the lowest pressure rates and one of the lowest sack rates in the league. Yeah, the Bucks' offensive line is doing well, but it's Tom Brady, all right? He helps Absolutely. a lot. Quarterbacks, to a large extent, we've talked about this, Lance, and I think the Giants are exception to this because their line has had struggled so much. But I think quarterbacks, to a large extent, control their own pressure rates. It is all dependent, and your own, more, impression, more importantly, their own sack rates. They control the amount of times they're sacked because it depends on how quickly they get the ball out. And Brady is the master at that. You might as well put him in university and have him teach the class. That's what he does. So good luck getting pressure on this guy today because you're not going to force him into mistakes. If you sack him once, you're having a good day. That's just what it's like playing Tom Brady. He's very difficult to deal with. Joe Judge knows this. Patrick Graham knows this. Logan Ryan knows this. Blake Martinez knows this. Everybody in the Giants defense knows this. The question is how then do they execute it uh, to get the most out of their defense? You're listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by New York Lottery. 
and you can get out there and play as Lance Meadow, John Schmelk with you here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're setting the stage for the Bucks and the Giants. We'll get to your phone calls here in a second at 201-939-4513. The one other thing that I wanted to touch on, John, is a late development in terms of the injury report. The Giants announced yesterday Ryan Lewis now has been downgraded to doubtful, a hamstring issue yeah. that popped up during the course of practice. And the reason why I want to bring that up is, well, you talked about Brady getting rid of the football quickly and trying to counter any means of a pass rush. Well, what have we seen opponents do, though? They've been attacking the wide receivers that are not lining up with James Bradbury, and it's been a game of musical chairs is a term I like to use in terms of who the Giants have turned to at that other cornerback position. I haven't heard so, that one in a while, Lance, because the offensive line is healthy. You haven't had the that's offensive true. I know. line game of musical chairs. That's why I had to whip it out for another position. So this is a very special occasion. Our <laughs> listeners should uh, be honored yes. that they heard that term. <laughs> but getting back to the point, I wonder now if you're Patrick Graham, where you make decisions personnel-wise. Because, you know, we, we've seen the Isaac Yadams. We've seen Julian Love be utilized in a various amount of spots. So that's going to be one chess match to keep close tabs on. And Brady loves to spread the wealth, John. You know, the one thing we have yet to touch on, it's not the Mike Evans show, and you can tell me all you want about Chris Godwin not playing in this game. Well, you know, they've had playmakers emerge every which way at the tight end position as well as the wide receiver position. So this is not an offense that says if Mike Evans doesn't have a monster game, we're going to be in trouble. And here's the numbers that prove it. Eight players have 10-plus receptions. That's tied for the most in the NFL. Five different players have led the team in any game this season in receiving yards. Brady does not play favorites. He proved no. that in New England. No. He's proven that again this season. Yeah, you know, and the game is always, is this, when he was in New England, all right, is this a Wes Welker game? Is this a Edelman game? Is this a Gronkowski game? Is this a James White game? And depending on the defense, he will just target the guy that the defense dictates he should target, and he will just follow the game plan. Last week, Mike Evans had two catches, and the Bucks' offense was unstoppable. Scotty Miller went off. Rob Gronkowski went off. So you're right. It doesn't matter. He will spread the wealth. I would expect the Giants to play a ton of zone. When they play man, I think Mike Bradbury will be tattooed to Mike Evans as much as they possibly can. Isaac Yadam and Corey Ballantyne, ostensibly, will be that corner opposite Bradbury, and they'll be dealing with Scotty Miller and whoever else they end up throwing out there at wide receiver, Ty Tyler Johnson, the other rookie that we talked a lot about in the draft process yeah. at Minnesota, will probably pick up a lot, lot of Godwin snaps. And this will be the last thing I point out before we get to the calls, Lance. Bradbury on Mike Evans. Last year, I know we talked about a lot about him taking on these you know, number one wide receivers. I looked up, and Pro Football Focus allows me to do this, Evans against Bradbury last year. Played him twice. So in week two, and I'll talk about this on the pregame show tonight when we do our fact or fiction. Evans had four catches and eight targets for 61 yards. So that's a pretty good job on him, right? Week six, however, Evans got targeted 18 times against Bradbury, had 11 catches for 112 yards in that game. So the year before, Bradbury was really good. The year before that, not so good. So it's been a mixed bag of results when Bradbury has had the chance to cover Mike Evans one-on-one. -on -one. So I would also not expect this to be a game, oh, well, Bradbury's on Evans. They're not going to throw him the ball. Evans has shown he can beat Bradbury. Now, will Brady go after that matchup if he sees something easier? I don't know the answer to that. But don't just assume, put Bradbury on Evans, it's going to be an erasure because last year's numbers, again, up and down, some games yes, some games no, it's not necessarily the case every time. 
Well, and Evans is such a big guy. He's got that frame where you love to give him a jump ball because you know he can make a play for the quarterback. And if you go back to that Raiders game, Evans did not have a monster game, but he was winning his battles. Brady just chose to go elsewhere. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that's what I mean by Brady is going to take what the defense gives him. He's not going to say, well, we need to fill up the stat sheet. I wonder, though, because I was listening to what Bruce Arians said after that Raiders game and throughout the week, I just wonder if they're going to try to appease Evans a little bit this week, you know, make up for perhaps what they didn't give him on his plate last week, just to keep everybody happy. You know, that's part of being a coach. You want to make sure that you spread the wealth. And is this the game that, I don't want to say they're going to force feed him, but they're going to look to maybe take some additional chances to see if they could get him going early. Yeah, I'll add two things to that. One, you want to do that before Antonio Brown shows up because that's another mouth to feed (laughs) and before Curtis Godwin gets back. So yes, I agree. It makes sense. Number two, if the Giants do play a ton of zone in this game, which is what I expect they're going to do, no one is more valuable against the zone defense than a big target with a big wingspan that knows what he's doing and knows how to find those holes in those zone coverages. So yes, I think that Evans will be a fairly major target today and will be a big part of their game plan. Again, especially tonight in MetLife Stadium, it's supposed to be pretty windy. You know, winds in the 20s, gusts in the 30s, or maybe even the 40s. You want to have a guy with a big catch radius and frame because you might not be as precise with your passes? Mike Evans is your guy. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Lance Meadow, John Schmelk with you here. Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live as we are previewing Monday Night Football between the Giants and the Bucks, a Tampa Bay team that comes in with a 5-2 and two record battling the Saints atop the NFC South standings. Let's open up the lines at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat. Let's go to CJ in the Bronx. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, CJ? I'm good, guys. How about you? We're good. We're doing well. I'm, I'm sorry for throwing this off a little bit because I know it's game day. You guys want to talk about game day stuff, but I, I'm a podcast listener. I download everything you guys put up on the site. People got to get them in. Got to get them in last week, and I got a problem with that. If everyone knows the history of Gettleman, he does a pretty good job everywhere he goes. When he was with the Bills, when he was with the Broncos, when he was with what? Panthers. Panthers. I understand. Oh, ooh. no, no, no. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the Panthers. My fault. That's right. The number one thing I want to get at is he's a team player. When he was under, working with Pat Sherman, Pat Sherman wanted vets. He got the vets. They weren't great players. They were big mistakes. But we're going in a younger direction, and he's gotten good players in the draft. If you check out the guy's history, he doesn't go with coaches at quarter plays. Pat Sherman was a problem with that. He usually goes with coaches that handle the team and develop players. We have to give the guy a chance. We need to make sure the team's getting better in, in within two years. I'm not about getting another general manager that was to switch it up all over the place. We got to take our time to get some wins. Tonight, let's go Big Blue. We need this win. It's going to be a hard win, but we need this win. Have a good day. I'm with you, CJ. Right, CJ. Thanks for the call, man. Yeah. In fairness, and I'm not disagreeing with his point, but – if you just want to at least stick to the facts, remember, Ron Rivera was already the Panthers' head coach before Dave Gettleman got there, in fairness, in terms of the hiring. And those other two stops, he was not the general manager. He worked within the front office, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, the one main job that he had before the Giants, in which he was the actual general manager making roster personnel draft decisions, was, of course, just the Carolina gig. Yep, absolutely. But again, the thing about Dave is that, you know, I think he actually does evaluate talent well. The question is, you know, getting all that talent together 
you know, if, if you could turn that into wins. And that's something that obviously no one's wins matter. And, and that's kind of what you're waiting for here. Yeah, you're waiting for everything to come together. You're waiting for this young nucleus to take the next step. And you're waiting to see this team consistently find ways to close out games. I think that's probably been one of their biggest issues throughout the course of at least this season. Forget what happened in the past. You know, we've seen the Giants be in games. The problem is they have not been able to close the door. And a good part, or a big part, I should say, of showing that you are a consistent and a good team is winning those close games. Because when you look at the NFL, the disparity between the top teams, the middle teams, and even the bottom teams, it's not as big as everybody makes it out to be. And that's why when you get that possession late in the game, you've got to be able to get in scoring position for a field goal. When the defense is on the field, you've got to be able to prevent them and keep them out of the end zone because that's, to me, what's been deciding so many games. Look at the Broncos-Chargers game, not to get off topic yesterday. Chargers were up big, Broncos came back, and then all of a sudden, Denver gets a score right at the very last second and wins that game. It's another example of the Chargers and the Falcons, too. That trouble closing out games. Let's head back to the line. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, yeah. boy, the Chargers and Falcons, they got something special going on with those two franchises, man. <laughs> Who knows how to lose games at the end better than the Chargers and the Falcons? Holy cow. They, like, figure out ways. It's like, all right, what are we going to try this week, guys? Here we go. Let's do it. It's amazing. Well, you want to hear a great statistic? This is from Elias Sports. I came across this. I actually tweeted out. The Chargers became the first team in NFL history to lose three straight games in which they led by 17 points. Okay? <laughs> is that but, true? but wait, it gets better. It, it gets better okay. to your point. So who do you think the one team they joined oh, in that no. department? The Falcons. They joined the 2003 Falcons <laughs> as the only teams in NFL history to lose three games after holding a 17-point lead in NFL history. <laughs> that should not be a stunner to anybody who's followed track record and trends funny. in recent history. funny. Yeah. It's just absolutely crazy that these two teams just find creative ways. Different coaches, different quarterbacks, different coordinators. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's almost like it's embedded into the mindset of the franchise. Whoever has the voodoo doll for those two teams, (laughs) time to put it down. You've had your fun between the Chargers and Falcons injuries, by the way, which is another thing that's plagued those two organizations on defense, and then you add in the inability to close out games. Let's head back to the lines. Rick is in Tampa. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Rick? <laughs> Happy game day, guys, uh, Lance and John. Yeah, I saw that stat last night, but you know what the Chargers have is they have the real deal with that Herbert. He's good. They got a good quarterback yeah. for the future. You know, Rick, it's in, funny. He's a guy, he, he's a guy, Herbert, he'll make a couple really nice plays. Like, play to play, you'll see some plays like, eh, I don't know, but he makes so many of these, like, big game-changing throws yeah. that you hope he yeah. can bring that – Bring, like, the play-to-play consistently along. He, he Look, I said it during yeah. the draft process. I'll say it again. He reminds me of Josh Allen. I think the two guys are very similar. Yeah. We're pass-to-pass, yeah. maybe not the most accurate in the world, but their size, strength, speed, big plays, they make enough of those to, to kind of just pull yeah. their team yeah. along. Yeah, he's going to be good. He's going to be good. You know, um, uh, game day today, and um, I, I have uh, – all right, I've done my part. For, it is one of those games where, you know, you really if the convinced me here how the Giants have a chance to win the game but I did my part I did this the last time I have my knockout pool I got one left and I went with Tampa Bay so I figure if they win I'm still alive but if the Giants somehow pull the upset you know hey we're we're right in there in the mix of the division I did that with the Dallas game uh, uh, two weeks ago and the Giants almost won that game but they end up losing of course but so I've done my part so now I have to ask you guys um 
really, how do you think? I have couple. I have two ways, possibly two ideas of how they have a chance, which I don't see them having any chance in this game. But my uh, two ideas, and I said this to you, I think last uh, the other day, last week, John, was um, them looking ahead to the Saints. We have that. Hopefully, that possibility of the uh, them uh, uh, Bucks looking ahead. Uh, that's one. And uh, throw mobility out there, mobility on Daniel Jones's part, as he can have mobility, but also the lack of mobility of uh, uh, Tom Brady. Brady, you're talking about. So hopefully those two things could come into play somehow. Uh, you know, he gets rid of the ball fast, uh, Brady. We know that, but if we could somehow maybe play uptight on him, so uh, on the receiver. So I have that thought. Also, the the, the this this tra- not trash talking, but all the stuff that JPP saying, I'm coming here to destroy the Giants and all this stuff. Everybody's picking against the Giants. So if they have any hope, maybe they could grab hold of this board, uh, you know, chalkboard material, uh, whatever they say, with JPP, and somehow come out and you know win the game in a sense for that. So I have that as maybe an angle. Um, and also I have a question for you, and, I, and I, I read this, I think it was on Twitter or something, or maybe it was on Giants.com. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we have a de- defensive back that's playing for the first time this game, kind of a big guy uh, that has some possibility. What's his, his name uh, mistake? Uh, you talking about Hardage, are you talking that? about, who they may call up for the yeah, practice maybe. one? He was yeah, with the team he, at camp. He, yeah, but he's playing this week. Well, I don't. I haven't seen any confirmation, John. I don't know if you saw in terms of who they've called up yet. I haven't seen it yet either. Yeah, so I don't know exactly if he is going to be in uniform. That's still a question mark. And they might see him as more of a safety than a corner anyway, to be honest with you. He's played both positions going back to college. Okay, so I mean, uh, what impact he may have. I just look for that guy to come out of the practice squad or come up and you know, and, and, and make some big plays and turn into something that we weren't expecting. But this game, all right, so there's my thoughts on this game as a chance that they have this slim I, I don't see any chance of them winning this game at all I mean do you I mean those are the things that I think if they have any hope maybe that could fuel it maybe what do you think um, I mean can you give me another one where you think that they have any chance in this game because everybody thinks it's going to be a massacre so um, what do you think that's Thank my, you. my point alright Rick well we appreciate the phone call we'll certainly expand on that well I mean Lance I, I never say Here's the chance to win. You hope they play bad. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a strategy. Where you say, well, maybe they're not going to think about this game because they're thinking ahead to the Saints to get revenge for Week yeah, One. I mean, come on. That's look. Might that happen in in a trap game situation? Yeah, it's possible. But you know, that's not how you go about trying to win football games. So, look, this is going to be a very difficult game to win. It's one of the two or three toughest games on the schedule. They're just a very well-balanced team, offense, defense. They're that good. They just are. They're that good of a team. So I think it's it's going to be a tough goal, Lance. But, again, I think you've got to hit some big plays. Don't turn it over. Maybe get a defensive score or a special team score, and I think that's your path. Yeah, I think the defense or special teams has to change field position, okay? Maybe not necessarily score, but there has to be some game-changing play to assist the offense. That's number one. I think that has to happen, and I think that those have been games where the Giants have really stayed in the thick of things against teams that have just as good, if not much better, of an offense. So that, to me, is an absolute must. As far as the last caller's point, and I agree wholeheartedly with you, John, 
no one ever goes into a game thinking that the opposition is playing mind games with themselves and they're going to come out sluggish. Number one, I listened to Bruce Arians. I always like to listen to the opposition. He was asked about that by the Tampa Bay media all week. Or how do you protect your team from looking ahead to the Sunday night game next week against the Saints? And he said, I have had multiple chats. Number two, as far as the JPP mental games, John, how many guys on the Giants right now actually crossed paths with JPP when he was here? The answer is oh, virtually boy. none. Dalvin? Now, the reason I bring that up is because— maybe? Dalvin yeah, Tomlinson, maybe? That, that's about it, though. So the point is, if you had somebody on the Giants right now that was teammates with JPP, and you know maybe you have the battle royale between the offensive line, right? You want to shut him up, you want to quiet him. I get that. Nobody knows who the hell was JPP when he's with the Giants. Let's be honest. So I really don't see that playing a big role. And Andrew Thomas has all the motivation in the world, given his ups and downs this season. So to me, JPP is just another challenge who he's looking to quiet and contain. I don't think it elevates it simply because this was a former giant. And I'll spell it out even better. He had that press conference or that Zoom meeting, whatever you want to call it, earlier in the week, and he was asked about, you know, does he keep communication with people involved in the Giants organization? He barely named any players. He was naming the (laughs) – he really wasn't. He was naming the training staff, John, (laughs) and, and members of the front office. That's it. That's all the individuals he can name at that point. Yeah. So there you go. I just It's got to be more of field position, and you know maybe there's a way that Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson, we've seen this before, get hands in the passing lanes, bat up a Tom Brady pass, you know, get an opportunistic play. Those are the types of things. And this is also another game I would argue, got to stop the run, take Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones out of the equation, and even though Brady's been more and more comfortable throwing the ball down the field. You want Brady to throw the ball 40-some-odd times. You know, make this a game in the wind, as you pointed out, John, where he's got to put the ball in the air X amount of times. That, to me, is another manner of maybe you change the course of this game. Yeah, and again, I think prevent big plays. You can't let... Bruce Arians wants to throw the ball down the field. He wants to go over the top. He wants to run those deep over routes across the field. He wants to run those deep flags. He wants to get Mike Evans on a deep post. That's what he wants to hit. Make him be conservative. Tom Brady will happily dink and dunk you to death. We saw him do that his whole career. But Arians is a little bit of a different animal. So maybe get him be a little bit too aggressive with his play calling and and try to force him into a mistake here or there. I think that's probably your best shot, but it's not going to be easy. Look, the Giants have to play extremely well, mistake-free football. They have to play their best game of the year in order for them to win this game. That's what they need to do. It has to be clean, crisp, and sharp to beat a Tom Brady-led Bucks team that has one of the best defenses in the league, has a very good offense, go out there, play your best football game, and you hope that's good enough. And that's all you can do. Because keep this in mind, the two games that the Bucks lost this season, and once again, different opponents compared to the Giants, but they lost the turnover battle against New Orleans. It was minus three, and it was even with Chicago. In all five of their wins, the Bucks have won the turnover battle. So we know the Giants have had an issue in that category. Clean football is something that goes without saying. Has to come to the forefront in a game like this. As we move along here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, a reminder, Giants fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants member FDIC. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Dre in Atlanta. Dre, what's happening? Hey, John. Hey, Lance. How's everything going? What up? Doing all right. What's on your mind? 
I can tell you, one thing about being a Giants fan is that the Giants is consistent. They are consistent and then inconsistent. You know, when the season started, I just wanted them to, you know, see them be competitive. I'm over that now. I need to see wins. And I understand everything that's going on in reference to, you know, the different dynamics of this season. But at some point, um, I need to see them click. No, Dre, you're right. You're and, the, I want to add to you really quick, just, just to make your point. You will not hear me the rest of the year say, oh, well, they didn't have a training camp together. They played seven games, all right? They should have their stuff figured out by now. I know guys have come in and out and continuity and blah, blah, blah. But you're through seven weeks of the season, all right? I, I know you had limited work in the off season. It should be figured out by now. So I agree that should no longer be an excuse. And I think now, and I think in some part maybe I'm reaching, but it seemed like Daniel Jones hasn't really grasped the fact that this is his team yet and everything's on his shoulder. And I think, you know, I may be wrong. He's still in the shadow of Eli. In what way? What do you mean Eli. by that, Trey? What do you mean by that? I, th- I've, I mean, I've watched um, Daniel Jones play, play um, at Duke. You know, and one of the biggest things he did was he was creative in some aspects. You know, um, he played within – sometimes he played above the ace of the old because he didn't have the, you know, the pro style. I mean, pretty much he had dentists and doctors at wide receiver. You know, his best asset was his running back who caught majority of his passes and gave him most of his yards. So he he was more creative. I see him playing within the scheme, but – I think he's indecisive, like in the um, Chicago game. He had uh, he had the ability to run through the pass. Um, and I just think he needs to embrace that this is my team and I'm going to play within and above the X's and O's. Um, and well, he had a 49-yard run again. in fairness and an 80-yard run in each of the last two weeks. I mean, that to me, I would say, is playing above the X's and O's. But, no, well, in actuality, that was skink. The, um, the, the RPO, I mean... Yeah, but that's a decision based on the quarterback, though. That's still a decision Correct. based on the quarterback. Well, that's understanding what, what the defense is giving you. What I'm talking about in reference to creativity is when the pocket breaks down and leaving a pocket in a scramble, in a scramble drill um, comes into effect. You see, Dre, um, he, 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 here's what I'll say to that, and I understand what you're saying. I think, I'm trying to phrase this properly, that Jones is a little restricted in what he's able to do based on what's going on around him. And I think Jason Garrett's very restricted in what he can do based on the play of the offensive line. Look, I went back the last two weeks. The Giants are trying to limit as much as possible the number of times that they drop back with a straight drop with five with a five-man or even a six-man protection and ask your line to protect. Do you know why? They can't. And the quarterback's going to get killed. So I think they're trying to drill it into Jones. A, they're running a lot of max protect play action, which limits how creative he can be and go above the X's and O's for one. And number two, I think they're also telling Daniel Jones, dude, look, if we're running a straight drop back, you better get the ball out quick, all right? Because if you don't get the ball out quick, there's a chance something bad happens. And given the type of issues he's had with protecting the football, I think he probably has that in the back of his head. And he's probably playing more of a, all right, not afraid to make a mistake, but trying to limit the opportunities where you can have turnovers, which I understand. It's keeping the Giants in these games, by by the way, that approach. And I also think he's saying our defense is playing fairly well. Rather than force the ball down the field into traffic and risk an interception, 
Maybe I'll check it down. Maybe I'll try to run for the first down instead. I think just the way this team is trying to go about winning games, and I think they have to based on the play of the offensive line, I think it's limiting his ability to make the type of plays you're looking for, if you know what I mean. I do. But this is my last point. Um, the reason why I brought all that up is last you know, last year he burned um, Tampa Bay with his legs. So I do believe that they're going to keep a spy in on him to keep, you know, to keep him honest. And I think that's where I see the, I think the creativity has to come in apart because in two weeks he don't gash two different teams with um with his legs. Yeah, I agree. And so I think they're going to try to contain him. And plus, you know, last year our running backs really didn't have that much success, not that much any success other than Wayne Goldman after um Saquon had gotten hurt. Um, so I think they're going to be stout against the run and force Daniel to throw the ball. Um, yeah, well, they're number one against the run. Two. The Bucks are only allowing right. Dre 66 rushing yards per game. So yards I think just by standard, that's going to be their game plan. So, of course, there's going to definitely be a game, I would agree with you, where Daniel Jones is going to have to make plays. But I think there's a line that needs to be drawn in terms of making plays within the scheme versus just being creative for the sake of being creative. You know, for example, the Cowboys last night were creative because they had a young quarterback. And, you know, I mean, they were really digging deep into the bag of tricks. But then eventually Ben DiNucci had to make throws. And you saw that he clearly wasn't at that level that he could do that consistently. Now, I'm not comparing Ben DiNucci to Daniel Jones. Jones has much more experience. But the point is, the creativity is only going to take you so far, Dre, at the end of the day. The quarterback still needs to focus on the basics and execute that in order to give his team a chance to put together a lengthy drive and finish. I agree. But thanks for my call. I was just throwing that out there just because what we dealt with last year and what we dealt with this year. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. I'm with you, Dre. Hi, Thank Dre. you, buddy. Yeah, appreciate the call. And look, I get it, Lance. Dre wants to see the quarterback make some big plays so this team scores more points. Look, the team has not scored a lot of points. I mean, they have played, what, one game where they've eclipsed, two games where they've eclipsed 20 this year now? Is that right, or is it, or is it up to three now? Let me check On the uh, schedule. in terms of the total. I know in the Cowboys game, the Cowboys they and, got over and Washington, they scored over 20, for sure. Did they score over 20 against Philly? That would be the Philly, other game. they scored... Well, let's see. Hold on. I'm on the wrong schedule here. It'd be nice if I actually look at the Giants' <laughs> schedule as opposed to another team, right? I think that yeah, would be helpful. Yeah, that would probably be helpful. Okay. Yeah, I agree. As I bring it up, let's see. Okay. Cowboys, they scored 34. Washington, remember, they only scored 20. They won that game 20-19. And then the Eagles game, they scored 21. And that was it. So they've only had one game where they've scored over 30. In terms of over 20, just the Eagles game. They got 21. That's it. Okay. So, so one game over 20, yep. one game over 30. You got to score points to win games. I know I'm not. Breaking. And remember, by the way, not to cut you off, John. No, remember, they fine. had a defensive touchdown in the Dallas game, so I don't. I don't consider that then your offense scoring over thirty. And they also got the ball at least once deep in Dallas territory off of a, off the Andy Dalton fumble. That's the, the, the yes. Dalton fumble. That's, that's, that's why I said field position skews the numbers a little bit when the offense is on the field because outside of that 15-play drive against Philly where Sterling Shepard ended with the touchdown, I haven't seen that very often, John. And I'm not trying to take away anything from the Giants, but you can't go into games banking on we're going to get a takeaway and our offense only has to go 40 yards. Well, I mean, that, that just doesn't happen. That's why they're averaging seven. What are they averaging, 17 points a game? Is that where they're at right now? I mean, it, that, 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 that's why they are where they are in terms of offensive rankings, 100%. You can't rely yeah, on other teams points. to put you into position to – to, to prosper, you got you got to make your own make your own production, you know. One hundred percent. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know, we're going to get an opportunistic play here or there. But I think you have to prove that without the help of your defense, without the help of the special teams, you're able to 
get third down conversions, and consistently move the ball. And I think that's been somewhat of an Achilles heel for the Giants. And remember, in the Washington game also, they got a defensive touchdown. And in that game, they just scored 20. So there's been games, including the one they've won this season, where you've needed a real big extra effort from other facets. And they certainly need that today. But you also need to find the game where your offense does a lot of the heavy lifting consistently from start to finish. And it I sounds like the cops. Something. It sounds like the cops finally found you, Lance. You better. You, you better go. Yeah, I know exactly the uh, <laughs> extra audio and sound that we add to Big Blue Kickoff Live on a special Monday edition as we get you, you know, you know, in, in fairness, in fairness, this safe house has been pretty good for about two years for you. But it, yeah, but unfortunately, it like you know, you. you and your big mouth maybe have revealed uh, <laughs> the area of where the safe house is located. So I'm going to have to relocate after tonight's game. I have my people work on it. We'll be looking for a new location. Thank you. I greatly appreciate yeah, no it. Problem. More work from my staff as a result of you giving away the secrets. Uh, Moving along here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, 201-939-4513. Well, in fairness, yes. the gigantic ivory tower is, is very hard to miss. <laughs> you didn't exactly pick That's up. right, yes. Well, the only thing that's missing is the location. smoke signals that come out from my ivory tower. Yes. We're, we're still working on that. Yeah, the <laughs> chimney is not functioning no. as it normally was <laughs> throughout the course of the early days when it was first constructed. All right. We're getting you set here for Giants football as the Giants are going to try to slow down a Tampa Bay team that is starting to click. I mean, this is clearly, it goes without saying, as John and I have hit on, uh, one of the teams that finally is rolling where they have scored at least 38 points in each of their last three victories. They've won two in a row. They had that game on Thursday Night Football was that was their lone hiccup where they lost to the Bears 20-19. to Let's reopen up the phone lines and we check in with Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len, what's happening? Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing, Len? Well, you know, uh, in a normal season, uh, I'd be getting ready to drive up there. <laughs> um, At least you can avoid Monday the drive. Football. At least you can avoid Monday the long night football, drive. football, always pretty exciting, and uh, would have been a special night with Brady there, obviously, and, uh, you know, for the fans, and may have even been Eli's uh, induction night. You know, it's funny. Honor. Len, you yeah. actually took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the exact same thing. I would not have been surprised if this would have been Eli's induction night. Yeah, because yeah, if memory I, serves me correct, actually, I think Tom Coughlin was honored on a Monday night game, Yep, I mm -hmm. believe. Yes, he so, was. Yes, he yeah. was. And uh, he probably spoke uh, about 90 seconds more than he should have that <laughs> he night. He did, at yes. Least, oh, I remember that, at too. At least 90 seconds. <laughs> <Holding up. laughs> oh, yeah. He, he milked up, that halftime. Holding half up the start yeah. of the second half. But that's okay. Hey, like he said, this is, this is my moment, and I'm going to take advantage yeah, of it. Damn I think right. those were Tom's words. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, um... You know, um, this is, this is going to sound cliche-like, but I think it's you know at the root of what we need to do if we're going to win this game: um, run the ball and stop the run. Um, let me throw some numbers out that we can talk about the next time I call in. Uh, for us, somewhere between 125 and 140 on the ground, and hold them to 75 or less. Uh, you always got to say win the turnover battle, but I'll take an even split on the turnovers. And, and stop the big play. I, I think if we can do those three things, we're in the game in the last four minutes. And um, hopefully at that point somebody comes through with a big rush. I think, you know, I, um, I, I think we should, we should be able to stop the run. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the strength of our team, that, that front three, uh, you know, a couple of the linebackers, big night for Tomlinson. Uh, you know, he's got to neutralize that center, push him out of the way, allow Martinez to make some tackles. Yeah, Len, I, I, think, I think of the list you have, I think the biggest lift 
of that group is rushing for 115 or 150. I, I think that's the toughest of the things that you put out there. I think that's the yeah, toughest. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do. I agree. I agree. We've got to start somewhere, though. Of course. And I think that run game, John, I think that run game, you know, um, I'm not giving up on the outside. But, um, you, you know, Thomas has handled himself pretty well as a run blocker when we're going straight ahead. So, sure, I agree. I mean, you know, it's, it's power night. Um, I, I like the matchup with, with, with Gates at center here tonight. I think he can handle that nose tackle. Um, and, you know, let's, let's just, you know, power along. Let's, let's not ask Lemieux to do too much. Just use what we perceive to be his strength at this time, which is his strength. <laughs> uh, you know, big, strong guy, and let's try to take advantage of that. And, you know, if we're in this in the last four minutes, I like our chances, guys. Well, and they have so, been competitive in some games that I don't think most people expected. So I, I think you would certainly like your chances if you're in the game late with Tampa Bay. But two things to piggyback off of what you said. Number one, JPP is a very good guy in terms of stopping the run. So, you know, yeah. the thing about Tampa Bay is it's not just their pass rush. The guys that they send after the quarterback are also effective yeah. in stopping the run in pursuit of the quarterback. That's number one. Number two, yeah. while I think the Giants slowing down the Bucks' rushing attack is not a stretch— because it's not an electric running game. They use Leonard right. Fournette as a receiver out of the backfield. So the linebacking play, the coverage of the running back when he gets out of the backfield, that's going to be an important emphasis because Fournette had yeah. six catches in the game against Oakland, yeah. including a yeah. conversion on a third and 11. Brady looks yeah. to him as a dump-off valve. You've got to yeah. be in good I, I position you. to slow him down. Though. Yeah, I got you. I, I think the secret – I think you're right, Lance – but I, th I think the secret on those kinds of plays by Tampa Bay is yards after the catch. Tackle. You know? If he's going to catch the pass out of the backfield, you know, get to the ball as quickly as you can, arrive angry, and make the tackle. <laughs> I like that. And arrive angry. I like that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Arrive angry. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the secret to linebacker play. You know, find the ball quickly and arrive angry. Um, and maybe we get a turnover, but what we do is, um, you know, stop them, stop them from multiple first downs. And if we, if we can, you know, we're starting to stretch it here a little bit, and I'll get off the phone in just a second. One more thing. L let's see if we can slow down JPP's adrenaline early on. You know, get him thinking about, you know, the plane ride home, what he's going to be doing next week. Um, I think he's going to be sky high, and we've got to do a couple of things to try to keep him off the stat sheet, particularly in the first half. Um, he'll, he'll, be, he'll, he'll calm down. If, if, we can, if we can neutralize him early on, JPP will, will calm down a lot in the game. Hey, um, wish I was there, guys. What else can I tell you? It's going to be a great night. Let's go Giants. Hey, thank we'll you, talk Len. later in the week. Thanks for All taking right, my call. Appreciate it. Thank yeah, you for calling for call. in. Let me just say this about JPP, Lance, because one of the things that we always talked about before he left the Giants is these were the type of games where he would have his biggest games. You know what I mean? He, wasn't a, he was a guy that you get up against the right opponent and he would kind of clean up against them. And he's going against a rookie like Andrew Thomas, and he has not played as well as he would have liked so far this year. He's getting better. He's improving. Don't jump ship on the kid. He's got a long way to go. He's a, you know, he's got a lot of talent. You know, this is not a situation where people should be bailing after seven weeks. But I'm sure JPP's looking at the tape and is like, I have an opportunity to make some noise tonight. So I think Len makes a good point. Maybe early in this game, you run right at him. 
Maybe early in this game, you leave a tight end in the chip. Maybe you leave a running back in the chip on that side to just try to take him out of it a little bit early because you know how JPP can be. Once he gets rolling in a game and he gets going, he kind of is a little bit of a front runner that way and that once he starts rolling, he just builds and he builds and he builds. So maybe trying to take him out of this game early a little bit by giving Thomas some help might not be a bad way to go about things. Yeah, I just would just say that the Bucks clearly, they got so many other weapons that sometimes you got to be careful if you focus too much nope. on one guy. No argument. You're then just <laughs> no going to set up a favorable matchup on the other side. That's number one. And number two, who we've also seen circumstances where JPP has been the type of player where you don't notice him, and then all of a sudden in the second half, he makes that big game-changing type of play. Yep. So, you know, just because he's quiet early on doesn't mean it's a result of him being overly emotional. It's just sometimes he's opening up opportunities for other people or waiting for the right opportune moment. Yeah. So I, I could view that, I think, a variety of different ways yeah. in terms of how the game plays and out. And by the way, even though JPP, I think, has more than twice the number of sacks as Shaq Barrett, I think it's what, like five and a half and Shaq Barrett. He's got has, five and a half, Shaq's got three. Has three, yeah. okay. So, about, so he has about twice as many. Barrett has a lot more hurries and oh, more total pressures. So Barrett is actually, even though he doesn't have the sacks, he's actually been a more consistent pass rusher than JPP down in, down out, which is why, as we always talk about, sacks can be a very deceiving stat, Lance. Look at the pressures. And Barrett has had more pressures than JPP has this year. So, yes, while the JPP versus Andrew Thomas matchup is one to watch, that Shaq Barrett versus Cameron Fleming matchup is not one that, you know, you're licking your chops over either. That's also really, really tough. So just something to keep in mind that we saw what Shaq Barrett did to Nate Solder last year. He almost single-handedly won that game by the way he terrorized Daniel Jones over the course of that game. He can do that again, rushing against Cam Fleming. So two very good outside pass rushers the Giants have to worry about. Well, and I think it goes back to the points that we were emphasizing earlier. While it's easy to just focus on the two tackles in this game because of their edge rushers, this is really a Giants offensive line game, not a tackle game. Yeah. Because as we were talking about earlier, when you see Barrett and JPP get penetration, what it normally does is it opens up lanes for Devin White and Levante David. So let's not excuse the role that Nick Gates is going to play in this game, Zeitler, and in all likelihood, Lemieux. Their awareness, their ability to hold on to guys like Adamic and Sue and McClendon, not hold literally, but contain them, I should say, is going to tell an awful lot about how damaging the second layer of this Bucks defense is going to be. Let's not get too caught up in the tackles. This is an offensive line game, period, from left to right for the Giants. That whole group has a huge task and a huge challenge in front of it. As you are listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by New York Lottery, get out there and play. Let's head back to the phone lines. Charlie's in Portland, Maine. What's happening, Charlie? Hey, Lance. Hey, John. Hey, uh, Lance, what's your real name? Because we know you're right now. <laughs> yeah, hey, Charlie. Give a, why would I give you my alias in a public setting, Charlie? Come on. Now, Charlie, what, to think, be honest with you, I, I think what we should reveal is that the reason Lance is running is because he's in the witness protection program because of the incident you guys had a while back. So I don't think this is probably the proper venue for you guys to, you know, air those differences. Well, I'm not scared uh, of Charlie. I, if anything, it should be reversed. But go ahead. Yes. <laughs> hey, how do you know it is it? But anyway, that's why I'm up in Maine in the woods, right? That's, That's right. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> hey, and we're, we're all be better off for that, together. but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> we're going to be one in seven. Come on. Look, there's no good matchups on our offensive line. And to be, if you, if you play Lemieux, this coaching staff is insane. You don't put a 
Thomas is already struggling as so bad as he is. You're going to put a guy who hasn't even played a snap in the NFL yet? So who are you going to play? Who do you want to play? You you can play Pulley. You can play Slade. They're both veterans. They both can play guard. You've got to play one of those guys. You know, they're not good. They're great, but they're going to be better than a guy who's never played in the NFL. That's not necessarily true. Do that. Charlie, how do you know that Slade or Pulley will be, will be better than Lemieux? How do you know that? How do I know that? Because he's never played a snap in the NFL. How is this guy? He's going to pick up stunts. He's going to be talking to Thomas, who doesn't know what the heck he's doing half the time. He's picking up. He's looking over there, and the guy's running by him because he's blocking the same guy the center is. How many times have we seen that? And those two are going to have really good communication? This is, if Judd does this, he's insane. He's a bad coach, and Colombo is a bad coach. Because you don't do that. I mean, JPP is going to have three sacks at least. Charlie, how many games has Chad Slade started at guard in the National Football League? I was just going to ask that. You took the words out of my mouth. I want to know, hey, can you tell me the last time Chad Slade started a game? How about that? Forget the snaps, John. Don't make it too difficult I for don't him. care about starting. Has he played in the NFL? How many games has he played? Well, How you tell many me? games has Lemieux yeah. played? Well, we, know, right. we know the he's answer for Lemieux, but let's not make it sound like Chad Slade's been in the league for 17 years and he's played I, I also, and started 10 games consistently. I also said Pulley, and Pulley has played guard, and he's played in the NFL He's played center. Now, Pulley, played a lot of Pulley is very undersized. Honestly, Charlie, all, all jokes aside, Spencer Pulley is very undersized to play guard. He's a smaller center, and he had trouble with that even when he did play. So if you're, really, if you're really thinking about doing that, I think you're almost considering them putting Pulley at center and putting Gates at guard. If you do want to go in that direction, that's a direction I would go because Pulley is – I don't think he's strong enough to play guard. So I think you would put him at center and you push Gates over to guard if you were going to do that. Now, I don't think you want to move Gates around. I don't think that's the best thing to do here. So, look, let Shane Lemieux, Lemieux, who's as strong as a tank, give him a shot. Let him play. Charlie, you're 1-7. Play the young guys. Why don't you want to give Lemieux some experience? Yeah, you got to see what he's made of. You want Daniel Jones on IR after this game or during the game? But again, Charlie, they aren't sitting there with some three-year starter at guard on the bench. Chad Slade has not played in a game since 2017, number one. He's played five games. He started three, to answer your question. That's number one. He hasn't played in a game since 2017. Correct. Number two, I agree with John that I'm not in favor of the musical chairs where you move Nick Gates to guard and you put Spencer Pulley maybe where he's more comfortable at center because I don't think that helps the chemistry of the offensive line. Number three, Shane Lemieux may have not played in one NFL game yet, Charlie, but he had 52 consecutive starts at that left guard position at Oregon, which was going back to just 2019. So that's his position, and that's where he's had the most experience. And you know what I find comical? You always call us up and say, well, you know, what about this guy on the bench? Let's see him play. So now here's a golden opportunity for the guy on the bench to play, and now you don't want him to play. I don't get it, Charlie. I really don't. Because it's a different person. It's a different player. It's a different experience. That's why... So because then, when he, okay, so then, when should played. Shane Lemieux play? When, when, eventually, if, Shane Lemieux is going to have to have his first game, is he not? So when is it going to be the Tom, baptism by fire? When are you going to wait for? Not against Tampa Bay. Play him. So who? Who are you going to wait for then? You're going to tell me what? There's a JV team in the National Football League. Is that what you're arguing? 
So we're waiting for the right. JV team to play the Giants, and then it's you safe enough to allow Shane to have some snaps. Stanford Bay defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL. They have a great pass rush. They stop the run. And you're going to put this guy next to Thomas, who can't even play right now very well, and you're telling me that you expect this to go well. I'm telling you it ain't going to go well. JPP is going to have three sacks. Jones is going to have at least three turnovers plus. So there you go. And enjoy the night because you're going to see what I just said <laughs> coming true. Well, Lance, and then well, well Charlie. Really first of all, John we'll and I, John and I have not laid out this game to be <laughs> a picnic right, we, for the Giants. That's go, number Charlie. one. Thank okay, you. and and that's irrelevant to whether or not the point of playing Shane Lemieux. Our point is yep. Shane Lemieux has the experience at left guard. Most recently, compared to those other two guys in Pulley and Chad Slade, that's number one. And number two, th there has to be a balance, as Joe Judge even emphasized, of getting these young guys ready to play, getting them valuable experience, and trying to be a competitive team. And Shane Lemieux fits right into that label. So I really don't have a problem with any of those factors in play. And by the way, Lance, that's how I look at it. No matter who you are putting in the game, in place of Will Hernandez. I wouldn't feel great about it, all right? Again, it's not like they're sitting there with some guy that's, you know, they don't have the, the next Chris Snee sitting there on the bench or Richie Soybert or David Deal ready to step in and then be your backup guard. They just don't have that on the roster right now. So you pick the guy, to your point, you drafted this year, you liked, he's a smart guy, um, and see what he can do. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But remember... If it doesn't work out with the Mew, doesn't mean it was going to work out with some other combination. You know what I mean? No matter what the combination you put out there, when you're missing a starter on the offensive line against a good team like this, you're going to have a problem. And I just want to go back to your point. You know, this is a team pass rush for Tampa Bay. We mentioned all the guys that can do it. I just want to read off the sack numbers for fans out there so I have an idea of what we're talking about, Lance. JPP 5.5, Devin White has 4. Shaq Barrett has three, and Dominican Sue has three. William Golston, one of their defensive linemen we have not mentioned yet, he has two. Vita Vea had two before he got hurt. He's out for the year. Jordan Whitehead, the safety, has two. Anton Winfield, the safety, has two. And Levante David, the other linebacker, has one and a half. So they will use everybody to come after the quarterback. And is it going to be a challenge for Shane Lemieux and Andrew Thomas on that left side? Absolutely. No one's making the argument it's not. Would it be a challenge for whomever they put in there? Absolutely. So play the guy that you drafted. Get us some experience. Is he getting thrown into the deep end of the pool? Yeah. Would I say the same thing about Chad Slade if you were putting him at left guard? Absolutely. That's what I get. 100%. And to better equate what you just said, nine different players have at least a sack and a half. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nine guys. And that includes, of course, Vita Vea, who you mentioned, who's out for the season. But they spread the wealth. If you think Tampa Bay is going into this game and saying to itself, boy, thank God the Giants are not starting Spencer Pulley at left guard. <laughs> I mean, really? Seriously? And once again, I I'm not trying to poo-poo on Spencer Pulley. No. But if you really think that that changes the pulse of the Bucs, they're going into this game saying, we're going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at Daniel Jones and that offensive line, because that's always been Todd Bowles' philosophy. No matter who was playing with the Jets, no matter yeah. who was playing, exactly. So it doesn't change anything. And like I said, this is a team that needs to play these young guys because you have to get a read, John, on what Spencer Pulley is about. Excuse me, of what Shane Lemieux is about. You've got to see whether or not this is an individual that you see as a potential starter, you see as a swing guy, and how better to do that 
then put him into a game where you didn't like how the door opened, but the door opened because Will Hernandez, unfortunately, is on the COVID reserve list. Now take advantage of this opportunity to play the young player. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. And, folks, if you didn't get enough of us today on Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is presented by the New York Lottery, get out there and play, you can find us tonight on Bud Light Giants Game Day on WFAN. Uh, our pregame begins at 645. We're also streaming on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Lance, myself, uh, Paul Dottino, Jeff Eagles, and we'll have a little bit of cross banks and Papa sprinkled throughout. We'll get you ready for the game. If you're on our radio network, the network portion of the pregame begins at 715 as we get you ready for Giants and Bucks at MetLife Stadium, which should be fun. Absolutely. We are very much looking forward to it as we'll have full coverage this evening. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we will speak to you 6.45 p.m. Eastern as part of our pregame show on the various outlets that John just went over, and we'll have full postgame coverage on those same outlets immediately following the game. John, always good going back and forth. I will speak to you, I guess, in a few hours. Talk to you tonight, my friend. Sounds good. For John Schmelk, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. Monday Night Football, Giants-Bucks will be back up and running tomorrow at noon Eastern, recapping it all. Have a good one.